Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're going to focus on the first uh, 14 verses of chapter 14 as we look at the sixth I am statement uh, from the Gospel of John. And today is one of the most, uh, probably one of the most familiar um, well-known statements that Jesus made about himself when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I would, I would not characterize myself as um, a world traveler, okay, or, or, or someone who likes to travel the world. I, I enjoy a vacation or two throughout the year, and, and I've had the opportunity to, to visit some, some different countries, some different cultures, but, but I'm, I'm not one that just likes to travel a lot. I, I, I don't really have a burning desire in me to see the world, and, and that's okay. I know some of you do, and uh, that's great. But, but as for me, some of my favorite uh, and most memorable vacations have, have not been spent at, at exclusive resorts or exotic destinations where I've experienced uh, unique food and, and unique culture. Uh, so, some of my favorite vacations have been uh, spent at some little uh, secluded cabin somewhere off the beaten path next to a creek or a river or, or maybe a, a mountain lake somewhere. For me, I always feel uh, most relaxed uh, when I can just kind of get away from the busyness and the noise of the world out in the middle of nowhere, okay? Some of you are shaking your head because you agree with that. Some of you are saying, Chan, that sounds like the biggest waste of time, biggest waste of vacation that I can imagine. That, that you're, you're like, Chan, that sounds more like scout camp than, than vacation. Uh, but for me, it, it's, it's perfect, right? I mean, I've, I've had, uh, I just have some memories of drinking a hot cup of coffee on, on the back deck of a cabin with just a river running by. Or having breakfast on a dock, a covered dock, just watching fish jump in a beautiful lake. I've enjoyed mountain views and, and waterfalls and beautiful sunsets really miles away from, from civilization. And, and, I, and I love it. But the interesting thing is this. It doesn't matter how beautiful the scenery is or how relaxing the atmosphere is. Sooner or later, I have this fleeting thought that runs through my mind. And you know what it is. It'll be nice to get back home, right? Doesn't matter how great the vacation is. It'll be nice to get back home. I mean, I love vacations. I love the opportunity to get away. But eventually there's a longing inside of me to get back home. Eventually I want to sleep in my own bed. Anybody get that? Yeah, nothing like your own bed. I want to sleep in my own bed. I want to, I want to stop living out of a suitcase eventually. I want to stop digging through a bag to find my toothbrush. Okay, I just want to know where everything is. And there's a place for everything. Eventually, I want to be home. Okay, and I think we all have that desire, this longing in our hearts to be home, to be into that place that we know, that place that we're familiar with, that place that we belong. C.S. Lewis wrote about this in the spiritual sense in his book, Mere Christianity. He said this, if I find myself desiring, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Lewis's point is this, if vacation and adventures and, and great experiences in this world do not provide our hearts with a home or with, with uh, belonging or with satisfaction, then maybe, just maybe, we were designed for something greater than this world. 
And in John chapter 14, Jesus addresses this longing inside of us by revealing who he is, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, so before we jump in, let me give you a little bit of background. Okay, this is important. Jesus' disciples, those who've been following him for these years of his ministry, at this point, they are, they are sold out to Jesus. Okay, they, they've left some things for him. They've left their families. They've left their homes. They've left their livelihood. And, and they are putting the full weight of their faith on that Jesus is who he said he is, the Messiah. But at the same time, Jesus says some things that, that cause the disciples to kind of scratch their head. Things like, I'm only going to be here for a little longer, and then I'm going to leave you. And so the disciples are, are confused, they're, they're worried, they're unsure of exactly what's happening and what Jesus is doing. And so Jesus responds to those worries here in John 14, beginning in verse 1 and following. Let's look at it together. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And of course, doubting Thomas, who's never one to hold back, speaks up in verse 5 and says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? In other words, Thomas is like, Jesus we really don't know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, and really what Thomas is asking is, Jesus, where is it that you're taking us? You're, you're talking about a prepared place. And hey, we've left a lot of things to follow you and we want to follow you. But where is it that you're taking us? Maybe another way that we could look at what Thomas is asking is this. The place that you're describing. Man, it sounds good. <laughs> It, it sounds like home. It sounds like a, a place where I'd want to go, where I belong. But, but Jesus, how, how are you going to get us home? How are you going to get us to this place that you've prepared for us? And that's when Jesus answers the question with this profound I am statement in verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so let's, let's spend some time unpacking that statement this morning. First of all, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. That means that he is the only way home, the, the only way to the Father. You see, because of man's sin, original sin in the Garden of Eden, a great divide was created between us and home, between us and the communion that we enjoyed with our heavenly father. Sin separated us from his holiness, from his perfection. And in our sin, we could not cross the great divide from where we were in our sin to where God is in his holiness and perfection. We could not bridge the gap. A friend of mine was telling me a story 
that not long ago, he and his, his wife and his kids were traveling on this windy side road and they were on their way to visit some friends. They were driving it right about dusk and they suddenly passed a sign on the side of the road that said, road closed ahead. And he told me they, when they saw the sign, it was like, nah, that, that's not this road. That, we must have seen something that we didn't see. That, it must be a different road. But then just a few miles ahead, sure enough, they came to a roadblock across the entire road with a sign that said, road closed. And so they had to rely on their GPS to find an, an alternate uh, route. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but their GPS took them on this single lane, curvy dirt road on a mountain through the woods in the dark, no human being in sight anywhere for miles and miles. And just at the point where they felt like they were never going to be seen again by anyone, they came out on the other side. And they eventually reached their destination. But as my friend was telling me the story, he said this, I have to be honest with you, Chan. When I saw that road close sign, I wasn't even sure that we could get there. And that's how it was in our sin. There was a great divide, a, a big old sign that said road closed or bridge out or no crossing here. And guess what? There was no other routes. No other roads, no other pathways that led to the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that we so desperately needed in our heavenly father. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The great divide that blocks our way home is sin and death. That's the truth. But Jesus said to his disciples, I'm the way. I'm the way home. I'm the road. I'm the bridge that spans that great divide between your sin and God's salvation. You, you can try other roads if you want to. You can, you can try other detours. You can make other choices in life, but there's only one way to the Father, and that way is through Jesus Christ. You know, anytime I come to this passage, I can't help but... Uh, conversation I had a few years ago with an elderly lady. She said, Chan, when I read this story, when I read uh, this passage, she said, I, I want to read it in the King James Version because, because in the King James Version, it says, in my father's house are many mansions. She said, look, I followed the Lord for a long time. I don't want just a room. I, I want a mansion. <laughs> you get it. You get it. I'm with that. I'm down with that. But, but either way, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And what he was saying to his disciples in that moment was, I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to die a criminal's death. I'm going to be tortured and brutalized. I'm going to absorb the full wrath of God for the sins of many so that I might become the way that bridges the gap from death to life. And in Acts chapter four, really Luke said it better than anyone when he said, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only the name of Jesus. Write this down. Jesus is the only bridge or the only way by which we cross from sin and death to life and home. So Jesus is the way. But Jesus also said, I am the truth. Jesus uses a definite article here to emphasize, him, emphasize himself as the only truth. Not just a truth, 
the only truth. Over in Psalm 19, 142, it says this, your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that the word of God, the law of God is absolutely true. We believe that it's inerrant, we believe that it's perfect, and we believe that it's authoritative. We believe it's the word of God, that these words are God-breathed, okay? Several times throughout the Bible, Jesus equates himself with the law of God. In other words, as the authoritative standard of righteousness. And in chapter one of the very book that we're in, the Gospel of John, Jesus is referred to as the Word, capital W, the Word, the incarnate Word of God. In other words, Jesus is the source of truth. Not just truth, which he is, but the source of truth. And so when Jesus says, I'm the truth, here's what he's saying. He's saying, in me, there is nothing false. There is, there is nothing misleading. There, there is nothing fake or uncertain. And if you will follow me, I am the truth that will lead you home. Each of us are capable of knowing truth, but none of us are able to claim that we are the truth. You see, there's just too many things we don't know. There are too many things that we get wrong every single day, but Jesus is the source of all truth. He is truth personified. He's the embodiment of truth, and therefore, he is the righteous standard for evaluating all other truth claims. That's why we can fully trust him, depend, him, and depend on him, and put the full weight of our life on him. If you're taking notes, Jesus is the eternal truth that leads us to our eternal home. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, but Jesus also said, I am the life. This part of the statement really ties back to the analogy of the good shepherd. And we studied this just a couple of weeks ago in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The abundant life that Jesus is speaking of is not just the, the days and, and the years that we experience in this life on earth. Because these 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years are really just a drop in the ocean of life. Jesus was also referring to eternal life yet to come. And Christ himself is the only giver, the only provider of abundant and eternal life. He is the source of life. Just as he is the source of truth, he is the source of life. And it's a life that we must receive in this lifetime, but it continues into and throughout the next lifetime, which is eternity. Abundant life is not just, just about what we receive here and now in Christ, but it's also about the glorified life that we'll experience there one day. C.S. Lewis said it this way, there are far, far greater things ahead of us than any we leave behind us. When God's spirit that lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit, when that spirit corrects you, disciplines you, yeah. 
It's not the Holy Spirit saying, I I don't want you to have life. When the the Holy Spirit says, hey, don't go this way, I want you to go this way. Don't, Don't do that, I want you to do this. When the Holy Spirit corrects you and rebukes you, he's not trying to take life away from you. He's trying to lead you deeper into the life that you were designed to live. It's God's way of saying, I know you've taken a lot of other roads. I know maybe you've taken a lot of other detours. You've taken some other paths and made a lot of different choices. But I want to show you the abundant life that will lead you home. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And these three descriptions, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Those those three statements lay the foundation for Jesus' next statement in verse 6 that really is an exclusive kind of statement. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, many say today that that's too narrow. Especially for 2023, that's too exclusive, too strict. But the truth is this, faith in Christ is exclusive. Not not exclusive in who Jesus lets come in. Jesus teaches in the word that anyone can come. Christianity is exclusive because there's only one way to get to the Father. There's a narrow road that leads to the Father and its name is Jesus. There's a narrow gate that we must enter in, and its name is Jesus Christ. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus. In other words, there's no alternative road. There's no no different path. There's not a different choice. There's not a different religion you can follow. There's only one way. It's a narrow way, and its name is Jesus Christ. Here's a way we can say it too. No one gets home except through Jesus. I remember when I was a kid in elementary school, I would ride the bus home from school. And I remember the first few years, right after the first day of class, a teacher would walk us out and she would say to me, Chan, there's only one bus that's gonna get you home. There's a dozen buses lined up. Chan, there's only one bus that's gonna get you home. For me, it was bus number 18 that bus will get you home. All these other buses are going in different places, but there's only one bus that's gonna get you home. And you need to be on that bus. You see, there's only one way home. Jesus is the only way home. He's the only truth that leads us to the only life in the only home that we were created to enjoy for eternity. Now, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you hear that and you have difficulty understanding that, then you're in good company. Even some of Jesus' disciples didn't fully understand. Let's look at it in verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So even the disciples at first 
had difficulty putting the full weight of their understanding on who Jesus was. But we know eventually the disciples came to fully believe and fully understand who Jesus was. And you know the reason that we know that for sure? is because they were willing to lay down their life for who Jesus said that he was. They gave away their life because they believed with all of their heart that Jesus was the Messiah. Basically, Jesus tells Philip, to know me is to know God. And for you and I today, the search for truth in our world, the search for a way, the search for life, the search for God, is not found in a great experience It's not found in an exclusive getaway or some kind of wonderful vacation. Our search for the way, the truth, and the life ends with Jesus Christ. It ends with him who is the tangible existence of the invisible God. S.D. Gordon said it this way, Jesus was God spelling himself out in language humanity could understand. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he's the life. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And here is where we end today. In John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. There's a lot in this verse, but the greater works, the greater works that Jesus was referring to here was not the miracle of walking on water or calming a raging sea. He's not talking about the miracle of feeding the masses or raising the dead. However, he was referring to feeding the soul with every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and then helping raise spiritually dead souls to the newness of life. Jesus was saying, because I am the way, because I am the truth, and because I am the life, you now can do all things that were prepared for you in advance for you to do for the glory of God. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, meaning whatever you pray for, that will lift up the name of Jesus and further the kingdom of God. Whatever that you pray for, that you need, that will, uh, that will empower you to do the works that were created in advance for you to do and accomplish whatever you pray for in the glory and the name of Jesus Christ. He says, I will do it. Amen. It will be accomplished. Man, that is a great promise. And this passage It's packed with wonderful promises. I hope you've heard it this morning, the promise of eternal eternal home, the promise of a a pathway that, that gets us home, the promise of a truth that leads us home, the promise of eternal life that awaits us when we finally arrive home.
But all these promises, they follow one single command. Whoever believes in me. These promises are only for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone. And you may be saying, man, that's narrow. I'm saying that's great news because I don't have to figure out the way on my own. I don't have to try to be good enough or smart enough. Jesus already made the way. I don't, I don't have to figure out how to program life into my spiritual GPS and just hope there's another route that maybe, just maybe, if we're lucky, he's going to get us there. Now the good news is he already made the way. He already bridged the gap. That's good news. More good news. We don't have to live in uncertainty, hoping that we have the right truth, just hoping maybe that we stumbled across it and this is the real thing. We don't have to worry about that because he is the truth, the source of truth, the source of righteousness. And we don't have to fear for he's already provided abundant eternal life for all those who believe in him. You see, Jesus is the only way home. I pray this morning, if you've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, that today you would do it.